Hello, you are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour, also known as Lyrical Act, A-C-T. This is where we explore books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste. So, come on, let's go. I'll hold your hand. Literary treats await. Good morning, everyone. This is Ellie Moon. Thanks for joining me. Happy New Year, 2024. It's 1-1-2024 at 8.22 a.m. And you're up early. (laughs) I have a 9.30 dance class, which means if I'm trying to meet one of my New Year's resolutions of being on time for dance, that means I got to start getting ready at 9. So I really don't have a very long time to talk to you. But I wanted to give you just a little bit of information, uh, maybe some inspiration for the new year, maybe help you on your journey toward changing some of your habits and some of the things I've been exploring the last few days, probably the last week. I wanted to share those little tips um, because I find that setting goals is pretty easy, but actually achieving them is the hard part. And I've been listening to Mel Robbins. I've been reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I just wanted to share some of the information that I've learned. I created a podcast. Sorry, not a podcast. (laughs) I'm on a podcast. I created a um, Pinterest board. So if you go on to Pinterest and you look up Lyrical ACT, now I noticed on my page, um, there's a section where it says created, and then there's a section that says saved. Click saved. You'll see all my boards. If you select created, you will just see one little thing, like one little pin. I don't know where that came from. So yeah, go to saved, and then you'll see the board for this year. It's called Declutter Queen 2024. It's very rich with all of my thoughts in the last probably month. Um, And I just added a couple things today because I would say in the last couple days, I've been just immersing myself in Mel Robbins podcast. So by the way, it's really good. So anyway, I'm trying to collect all of these thoughts into one podcast episode. It's going to be difficult, but I'm just going to touch on all of them in the best way I can in the little time that I have. (laughs) So hang tight. Well, you ask yourself the question, well, what really stimulated all of this, all of this research, all of this um, uprising? What, What inspired this? Well, it could be the New Year's coming around and, and thinking, okay, what do I want to change for the next year here? Evaluating my life. I always do that come a few days before January first. Um, but I started to notice that, and there were a few things that happened in my personal life. I started to notice that I started sliding down that slippery slope of, uh, out of control with my drinking. And, you know, I always believe that it's, it's possible that you can have great control over anything just to get even your diet. You know, you can have great control. You're maintaining your weight. And then all of a sudden, 
these little habits start slipping in. And then sooner or later, all of these little habits add up. And then all of a sudden, you don't recognize yourself. You know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, wow, what happened? (laughs) What happened? Your behaviors change. And you start doing things that um, maybe you're not proud of or you're like, why would I do that? That kind of thing. Without getting too personal, it's uh, I, I started to fall into bad habits again. And I'm really good at starting a list of goals. Oh, I want to change this. I want to change that. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm pretty good at following that sort of thing. But I'm definitely not perfect. Nobody is. But I wanted to research how to actually achieve my goals. Like legit, actually achieve them. And it goes a lot deeper than you think. So I'm talking with my son and he's like, you know what, mom? I'm reading Atomic Habits. I'm on chapter seven, but I think you need it more than I do. (laughs) The sweet kid literally gave me his book. He's like, you need to read this. So I started reading it. And I'm on chapter three, so I have more information to give you down the road here, but If you do want to change your habits, I would highly recommend Atomic Habits. He bought it at uh, Half Price Books for six bucks. So it's not like it's a huge investment. Um, You know, if reading was one of your (laughs) New Year's resolutions, this would be a great book for you. So this is, I'll just give you one example or one sort of, um, I'll just give you a couple thoughts or a couple take-home messages that I've learned so far from this book um, in the next segment, okay? Um, I have a cold, by the way, so it's, you know, my voice is a little shaky. Um, And it also goes deeper than this. You also have to look at your attachment style, And that's another rabbit hole we're going to go down. (laughs) Who you are at the core of when you grew up, your parenting style that you lived with, your relationships that you formed throughout your life can be very formative to the adult that you are. So all of these things manifest as an adult and how you interact in your relationships. Your attachment style really shines true. And I believe that these attachment styles lend themselves to certain habits. I haven't read this anywhere, but um, if I had to analyze it, I would say like self-soothing or things that soothe you um, and why you need to be soothed is hugely related to attachment style. That's my belief. I'm not a psychologist, but that's what I believe if I had to really analyze it. So let's get into it. Okay, let's get into the nitty gritty. I've gained 10 pounds in two months. How does this happen? Was I going to McDonald's three times a day? (laughs) No. Um, Alcohol is just empty calories, basically. So you come home. You're off 
work, you know, you have some, you're putting up the Christmas tree. You're reminiscing about old times. You're eating the cheese balls. (laughs) You're eating the Christmas cookies. Let's back up to October. You're eating the, (laughs) you're eating the treats, the, uh, the fun sizes. Um, what happens in, oh, Thanksgiving, you're eating all the leftovers. These, these, uh, it's more like three, it's actually more like three months. I'd say three months. So three months, 10 pounds. Wow. I'm looking in the mirror and I don't under, I don't understand. I'm like, but it's not like I was going to McDonald's three times a day. I don't feel like I overindulged, but it really doesn't take much to gain 10 pounds. It's just a little bit extra in that day that you didn't burn off. So that is shocking to me. Like, I look in the mirror, I look at my face, I look at my body, and I'm a very petite, small, styled person. And I'm like, I don't recognize myself because I've always considered myself very fit, very athletic. And I don't recognize the person that I see. And that's a vulnerability I will share with you. It could be in my mind, but I don't think it is. Because <laughs> I do have a little bit of sort of a body dysmorphia. Um, anyway, that's how I feel. Um, I don't want anyone to to look at me and say, well, you oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Or eh, no, I want to say my feelings and I don't want anyone to dismiss it. This is how I feel. Okay. All right. So that's how I feel. So how do I change that? How do I get back to the very athletic, fit, healthy human being that I believe that I am? Well, (laughs) you have to identify how did you get there? How did you get there? And the other question is, why did you get there? That's the hard part. Why did you get there? I think the why did I get there? A lot of it was loneliness. Um, I think I'm entering a life, a, a certain time frame in life where my kids are very busy with what they do. Um, They have their own life. My husband goes to bed at night early, and I'm by myself. And how do I self-soothe? How do I occupy my time? That's a huge thing. What I choose to do in the later hours of my life, later hours of my day when I'm by myself, hugely impacts what shows up in my body, in my mind, everything. How I feel about myself, how I feel during the day at work, how I feel um, with my relationships. Basically, it's a lot of like self-sabotage. You know, you're hitting the, hitting the treats, trying to get that little bit of dopamine rush with the treats and, you know, big plates of chips and cheese. And and you just don't care because you're self-soothing. You pour that extra glass of wine. You have that extra beer. You're self-soothing yourself because you're lonely. At least this is what I'm experiencing. And, you know, I I would have to say that's got to stop. That's got to change because 
I am on a path of self-destruction, <laughs> basically. Um, and I don't know about you, but, and I don't know about you, but I'm talking about me. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to share these tips or share these thoughts with you because I think a lot of us feel like we're on this path of self-destruction and we just need to know how to get off the rails, really, because this train is going, this is going nowhere. Well, it's it's going to hit a wall, basically. So um, now that I've kind of gone on <laughs> this uh, talking tangent, um, backing up, backing up to Atomic Habits. Okay, take home messages. I'm going to go on my Pinterest board and I'm going to tell you a couple things that really rang true for me. This is from him. The quality of our lives often depends on the quality of our habits. So at night, when you're by yourself and you're feeling lonely and you want to self-soothe, what are you going to do? What would be a quality habit? Well, (laughs) I think a quality habit would be reading, uh, learning something, maybe watching some movies that you've never watched and you've been just dying to watch, maybe listening to some music, maybe dancing, maybe journaling by candlelight with my candles that I sell, (laughs) Um, not doing the habits that make you self-sabotage. So, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what I'm talking about. So instead of pouring that glass of wine, you're going to pour yourself a glass of ice water or whatever you deem to be something that's a good substitute for that. It could be bubbly water. The grapefruit bubbly water is really good. It could be a mocktail, but I've never... I've never kind of felt that mocktails were that great because um, I don't know it just reminds me too much of the thing and it's not the thing so then it bothers me yeah I find that ice water is really really a nice substitute it's very fresh clean maybe throw a lime or a lemon wedge in there it's really satisfying light a candle make yourself feel relaxed and stress-free Maybe take some time to talk to your kids, clean the kitchen, clean up the dishes after dinner, Um, do a facial, uh, facial care, do your skincare routine. That takes time. That takes like 30 minutes. Pluck your eyebrows, (laughs) wax your mustache, Um, you know, paint your toenails. There's so many different things that you can do besides sitting on the couch and consuming like all these Reese's Pieces and, and ice cream and all these different dopamine increasers. So uh, maybe chat with a friend. Call them. Maybe instead of texting, call them. Hear their voice. Um, and you know what? What happens when nobody's available? It's really, really soothing to find a podcast where they're showing up for you. They're always there. (laughs) Maybe not literally, but sort of figuratively. 
Like Mel Robbins, like I just discovered her on the way to work. Sorry, on the way home from work, I was feeling, I I just had these feelings of loneliness. And I turned her podcast on and I was like, it filled the air in the car and it made me feel calm. It made me feel happy. And I thought to myself, I wonder if this podcast does that for somebody. Like maybe they fall asleep to it. Maybe they wake up to it. Maybe they listen to it in the car. And I thought, wow, that's really special. So anyway, if you're just filling the space and needing to listen to something and the music isn't doing it for you and your friend isn't available, find a podcast that is right for you. And Mel Robbins is right for me. (laughs) So anyway, I hope to be the right person for somebody. That'd be really great. And then we're talking about attachment styles. And I think I'll leave that for the next segment. Um, You could probably guess what type of attachment style I am. We'll go through the four attachment styles. And we'll also dive into what loneliness is and what being alone is. But backing up to Atomic Habits, um, he also said something to the effect of, if you can be 1% better every day, just 1%, 1% by the end of the year, you can be, what, 37 times better? Something like uh, habits are compounded and they are exponentially better, like you become exponentially better. Another quote would be, decide the type of person you want to be. Prove it to yourself with small wins. Who do I want to be? What am I? Would a healthy person do that? Would a securely attached person do that? (laughs) And then this last one I'll, I'll read off. Four laws to set good habits in. Make it obvious. Make your habit easier by attaching it to an existing habit. So if you want to do self care, like not self care, but if you want to have a really good skincare routine, set it right when you do your brushing of your teeth or something like that. Make it attractive. Make a habit pleasurable by stacking the habit with something else you already enjoy. Hmm. Well, I love candles, so I light my candle, and you know what? I'm going to read a book. That's pleasurable. Make it easy. Do the habit often before perfecting it to reduce friction in actually doing it. Easy. Putting away your clothes in the basket instead of throwing them on the floor, or whatever you're whatever you want to do. If you want to get into ice water at night, chill the glasses, uh, make them readily available. Make sure you have all the ice cubes. Make sure, hey, why not chop up the lemon slices and have those easy to grab, throw it in your glass, you're good to go. Buy some fun glasses, you know? Why does it have to always be in these boring ass white glasses, the clear glasses? Maybe buy it like some special drinking glasses. Make it fun. Okay, make it satisfying. Do the habit often before perfecting it to reduce friction in actually doing it. Hey, that says it's the same. I think there's a typo on this one. Ooh, I should have been an editor. Yeah, there's a typo on this one. Well, son of a bitch. (laughs) And swearing is not one of my goals. I I think I swear just fine. Well, that's stupid. Okay, I'm going to have to (laughs) find a different one. 
make it satisfying. I would say the most satisfying thing about waking up and not having like overindulgence of even food or alcohol is that you wake up and what I notice is that I have a flat stomach. That is always like my gauge of something um, that feels good to me. You know, there's not a lot of sodium. I didn't overindulge in like sodium rich foods. I don't have the puffy bags that are my eyes. Um, you can overdo a lot of things. You can overdo alcohol. You can overdo food. You can overdo just everything. And is it making you show up as your best self? If the answer is no, then you need to change it. And how you change it, according to this book, is really defining who you are. And we'll go into a couple examples in the next segment as well. This is really turning into a very long-winded podcast, but it's important stuff. It really is important stuff. It, I think it's just a crock of shit to just say, my goal is to do this. And then nobody has a plan and nobody knows how to stick to it. Other, you know, Otherwise, it's just words out of your mouth. That's good, but it's just words. You're just blowing air. You're just blowing air. I don't like to blow air. I don't like to waste time. <laughs> I like to do things. I like to get it done. So there you go. All right, moving on. Okay, so Mel Robbins, please check out this podcast episode where it's talking about the four attachment styles, because I think you're going to learn a lot about yourself, but you're also going to feel very confused about yourself because you'll find when she's talking about, she has this guest, uh, Thais, I can't remember her name, ah, um, Gibson, Thais Gibson, I think, um, you'll find that you'll see yourself in the various attachment styles. Oh yeah, that's me. Oh wait, 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 that's me. Wait, wait, that's me. And I took a quiz online and I found that the quiz actually showed me that I had parts of a couple of the attachment styles, actually three of them. So, you know, whether that quiz was good or not, who knows, but um, it was interesting anyway. <laughs> so why is this important? Because I believe that depending on your attachment style, this is how you're interacting with the people in your life. Think of your marriage. Think of your friendships. You're dealing with somebody else who has a different attachment style or maybe the same. But usually, same style attachments, at least this is what I learned from this podcast, it doesn't seem like same style attachment styles um, marry. Um, usually it's different attachment styles. At least that's what I, the gist I got. So uh, taking this quiz and also listening to description, I would definitely put myself at the anxious attachment style. And this in knowing and learning how these develop in your childhood, which is around uh, zero to two, and then also your different formative experiences as you go on in life. It's very interesting. So I'm somebody that needs you to show up. I need you to show me that you love me. I need you to show me that uh, I, I cannot have you hot and cold. I need you to be consistent. Uh, I'm a person that needs validation. I need somebody to tell me that I'm good. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> All of these things. Um, you struggle with self-worth. 
You worry if the partner is mad at you. You notice things that nobody else notices. You notice patterns. You notice changes in behavior. A lot of what I'm reading in this Atomic Habits is that the brain subconsciously is very good at picking up patterns and you don't know why. You can't pinpoint why you know it, but your brain knows it. Kind of like when I'm working and I I just know if a prescription is fake or not. It's because like to the untrained eye or to maybe another new pharmacist um, can't quite pinpoint why it's a fake, but you just know it's a fake. And I could go through the battery of different things that I know, but it is literally your subconscious picking up on it over time and experience. So anywho, when I took this quiz, I also found (laughs) that I have an... Uh, avoidant attachment style, meaning that um, I suppress my own emotions. And if I can't get that person to show up for me, I will just detach and become extremely independent. So uh, it's almost like you become disassociated. It's um, It's a very odd thing, but it's only a small percentage. (laughs) So, um, and then I also have a little bit of secure attachment, which makes sense because I have had relationships in my life that have been somewhat okay. (laughs) So, okay. So going through the attachment styles, let's just go through them briefly. All right. Secure attachment. This person is comfortable with expressing their needs. And this is where the secure attachment um, peace that I've experienced. I am, I'm very, I can express my needs. I'm not afraid that you're going to ostracize me for it. I will tell you what I want. This is the secure attachment. Okay. Um, this person is able to balance time apart, but also they know when to seek support. And they have the ability to cope and bounce back when faced with adversity. They can regulate their emotions. <laughs> I can't. Like, I can and I can't. Um, ability to connect emotionally. I'm very strong with connecting with people on an emotional level. Almost too much. Almost like, whoa. Like, screw the small talk. Screw the talk about the weather. I want to connect with you on an emotional level. I'm very good with that. So I have a huge secure attachment thing. I'm good at that. With the right people. There are people out there that maybe have these other like fearful avoidant or avoidant attachment um, that I can't connect with because they won't open up. They're not vulnerable. So I can't be with somebody like that. You know what I mean? Okay. (laughs) Here's the next... um, So the next attachment style is anxious, which I did talk about. They crave emotional connection. They do struggle with trust. Um, They fear abandonment. Oh, my God. Somebody leaving. Uh, A lot of kids in the 80s who had lots of divorces. They were latchkey kids. I think probably have this attachment style. They have that fear that someone will leave them. They get really, really clingy. Um, They're anxious when their partner is away. They have uh, difficulty in respecting the space that somebody needs to fuel their own 
life. Um, they seek out constant reassurance. I mean, you see it on, this is the one thing I've been working on. You see it on Facebook. You see it on um, Instagram. That constant posting, I need reassurance. It's not really for a business. Like, say you're not even a business, but you're just this person that's just constantly posting. I need your reassurance. Please, please like my stuff. Anxious attachment, big time. Um, the relationship consumes you. So you don't have a good, uh, you don't have a good balance with, like you're in a relationship and that person is all you. That's your world. You know, I, I can tell you from the second I turned 15 or 16, that boyfriend of mine, he consumed my life. Whoa, he was everything. And then when he left, my life was in shambles. My relationships with my sisters and my mom were, you know, crap because he consumed my life. And as I've gotten older, I've realized you need to have a boundary set where you foster all kinds of different things in your life. And, you know, that that boyfriend is not all you. No, you're much more than that. So anyway, all right, next one is avoidant attachment. Okay, and and the reasons why people form these attachment styles is is fascinating. And the podcast will get give you a little bit more information on that. Uh, it basically goes through, she goes through like, why people are the way they are based on how their parents were, how the caregivers were, you were at daycare, your grandparents watched you, um, your parents were at work a lot. All of these different things create these attachment styles. It's thoroughly fascinating to me. Okay, avoidant attachment. Hyper-independent does not depend on others for support. See, this is where do you ever notice in dance classes, I don't hang around to talk a lot? <laughs> this is the avoidant attachment uh, style that uh, part of it is, is uh, I will hang around to talk a little bit, but sometimes I get this, I, I don't want to, I just want to leave. <laughs> okay. Uncomfortable with emotions and vulnerability. This person cannot open up. This piece I don't really have. Uh, the closer a partner gets, the more you withdraw. Ooh, they are pulling away from you. This makes the anxious attachment person really nervous. Okay, um, they have a few close relationships and they try to avoid conflict. How do they try to avoid conflict? They probably leave. They probably just go off and walk in the mountains and, and <laughs> um, you know, they're the people where you're starting to have a fight and they'll just go run. They'll just go away. Um, they won't face it. They'll just go away. And boy, that leaves you hanging. That's really hard to deal with, especially for an anxious attachment person. Okay. And then last one is the fearful avoidant, which is also known as the disorganized. <sighs> this person in their upbringing dealt with a lot of chaos. Maybe they had an alcoholic parent where um, they were sometimes nice and sometimes really nasty, and they don't know what end is up. So they, they are uh, a person that has this love and this hate, this emotional extreme. They crave security, but they feel so defective. They feel unworthy. They seek closeness, yet they retreat. They fear rejection. 
They have an extremely low self-esteem. This person did not receive the, um, you know, what we all need in, in the beginning of our life, that security, that fostering of that you're a good person, that you are worthy, that you are worth something, that you are good. Did I say that? I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so those are the attachment styles. Fascinating. So yeah, check out that podcast episode. Who are you? Do you see yourself in the multitudes of, of aspects of these attachment styles? Are you more one? Are you extremely only one of them? Or do you find yourself kind of teetering on a little bit of all of them? I don't know. That's for something for you to find out. But this leads me to talking about loneliness. And I think being an anxious attachment style person, I think loneliness plays a huge, huge, huge part of my life. Um, I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for who I am. Uh, I see my, my, my strengths and my weaknesses. Um, but loneliness and entering the point in my life where it's almost an empty nesting feeling, this started years ago. Um, as the kids start to get their own lives, um, being somebody who needs validation and constant reassurance and <laughs> security, um, and maybe lacking the ability to self-soothe in healthy ways, you have to think about how do I cure this loneliness? And we'll talk about the next segment. Having some secure attachment. <laughs> I can say my needs. I am lonely. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, it's a vulnerability to share your feelings, to share some of the um, some of the thoughts that you're having that maybe are not so great. Like somebody asks you, how are you doing? Well, obviously in social situations, you're not going to go, I'm lonely. Nobody does that. Um, but there are times in your day when you can struggle with loneliness. That's normal. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone. And loneliness, according to lossesbecomegains.com, Loneliness is feeling empty and disconnected, longing for company, feeling alone despite others being around you. You could be in a room of people at a party and feel like the biggest wallflower and you're just not talking to anyone and you're alone. You can't connect with anyone. You, oh God, it's the worst feeling. <laughs> okay, feeling sad, depressed, or isolated, and then feeling the feeling that can follow you around. It can consume you. So not only the loneliness um, can creep up at night when you're alone sometimes, it can creep up when you're just driving home from work. It can creep up in the morning, the drive to work. It can creep up at any moment. And, you know, as as somebody with a anxious, partly anxious attachment style, you really do need to learn how to self-soothe with healthy habits. It's not, oh, I'm lonely. I'm going to go feed my face at, you know, uh, with a bunch of scones and 
a big ass coffee drink at Starbucks. That's not that's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Not at all. Maybe a walk, maybe going for a walk around a lake or getting out your journal and writing. But I find that physical activity typically is my best remedy for loneliness or um, sad feelings. Yeah. Okay. So being alone is different. Oh, shit. It's 9.07. I got to get going. See, I'm following my bad habits because I'm talking. Okay. Being alone still feels connected to others. You're listening to your inner voice. You're content with solitude and you have a positive state of mind with yourself. You have feelings of happiness and stability and you have a sense of calm within your own thoughts. Being alone. There's nothing wrong with being alone. Introverts are alone all the time. We have like I'm an introvert. We love to recharge our batteries. We do things on our own all the time. We gravitate toward maybe some crafts or reading or video. I don't do video games, but you know, a lot of introverts love video games, though I will say a lot of video game players are very social where they have lots of friends online and they play games with their friends. So it's not like they're totally alone. That's different. So I'm going to give you some things on my Pinterest board that will help you um, be self-care. These are self-care tips for loneliness. You can find this on skinnies.net. Don't know what that means, but whatever. Okay, watch a movie. The other day, I'll give you an example. Shit, it's 9.09. I got to get ready. Um, The other day, I came home from work on time, and it was early enough where I was going to watch a movie. And I was so proud of myself for leaving work instead of staying so late because it's not conducive to having like any time at night to do anything you want. So I came home early, like on time. And I watched a movie. My son came upstairs. He offered to watch it with me. We watched a movie together. I didn't feel lonely. That was so nice. Been watch TV shows, write in a journal, practice yoga, paint your nails, get in touch with a friend, write a letter, make something, have a photo shoot, take yourself out on a date, <laughs> snuggle an animal. Yeah, pay attention to your pets. Go for a walk, make a playlist. Ooh, make a collage, organize and clean, make a self-love jar, have a dance party of one. Do you see me on Instagram? Mm-hmm. I do dance. Now, have I had a beer or two? <laughs> yeah, bad habit, right? So, if you see me on dancing, dancing on Instagram from this day forward, I will not have anything in my system because that is a habit that I would like to form. I'm just going to be me. Just me. Just me. Dance party for one. That's right. Okay, this is my outro. I have to, I literally have to go. So this, uh, looking at the habits that I've had, learning how to uh, convince myself that if I want to change these habits, I will have to sort of redesign or reflect on who am I? Who am I? How do I define myself? All of my little habits that I've done, I am a product of those habits. So if you change your little your habits by a little tiny, tiny degree. All of those will add up over time. And you have to stick with them. Don't fall into the trap of saying, well, I ran for two months and I didn't see any difference. 
Well, maybe if you would have run two months and a week, you would have seen the difference. So you have to stick with them. So it's up to you, but I'm having a dry January. I want to collect my thoughts. I want to look at my life. I want to see what I can accomplish. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm not going to buy the beer or wine. That's number one. I'm going to light candles and read more. I'm going to make choices that define who I am. And I want to be healthy. So this is a rush job in the ultra. I really apologize, but (laughs) I got to get going here. And uh, I'm committing to going to more dance classes. That's one thing that is self-care number one. And also it defines me as a very fit and active person. And alcohol doesn't help that at all. Like on a Thursday night, if I come home from work and I just sit and have beer after beer instead of going to a dance class, who is that? That's not a healthy person. A healthy person would go to the gym. So I'm making those choices. Anyway, I wish you all the best and I hope you check out those podcasts and that book, Atomic Habits and Mel Robbins Podcast for more information. And I hope that I will be the voice that makes you feel less lonely this year. Have a good one.